So I want to become a dog trainer. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about the dogs and barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Ahoy there, bookshelvers. Um, it's only me today uh, for the introduction to this podcast because we have a jam-packed um, episode for you. Um, for those of you who don't know, and to be honest, we've been going on about it a fair amount, so you should know by now, um, we have a conference coming up uh, called the Connecting Communities Conference 2020. 22. That's on Sunday the 16th of October um, at the Stripe Auditorium, which is at the University of Winchester. Um, it's an awesome venue. We've got some real lovely things lined up. But for this particular podcast, we've got something really, really special because part of that conference, we have free speakers um, and it's all about taking care of. That's the theme of these three speakers. So we have the wonderful Karen Murray, who's going to be talking about how to take care of your business if you are working in the canine industry. We have the amazing Tash Mafialetti, and she is going to be talking about how to take care of yourself, the heart of your business. And we have the amazing Jason Light as well who's going to be talking about how us as dog professionals can help to take care of the planet. So we've got all three of those brilliant people um, talking on today's podcast for little sort of 20, 25 minute snippets um, where it's Corin and myself um, interviewing them. And I think it's going to be really, really beneficial um, little tips for everyone um, who's listening. So um Without keeping you any longer whatsoever, let's dive straight on in. Hi, 
Okie dokie. Wow. Um, this is exciting, isn't it? We've got uh, four people. Not that anyone can see this, but on my screen in front of me, I have another three people and myself. We have Corin. Say hello, Corin. Hey. We have Silent Jay. He's going to have to break his silence. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I thought <laughs> he was shocked I, to do it. <laughs> I thought he was going to hold on to the silent Monica there for it. It's just a little bit too long. And we are joined today uh, by uh, the ambassador for well-being of Pat, uh, Tash Mafioletti. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Woo-hoo! Hello, everyone. Are you happy to be here, Tash? Of course I am. I'm delighted. We should probably we should probably mention that we've been friends for a long, long time. You and Corin have been friends for how long? I mean, I love that you went in with we've been friends for a long time yeah. first. Well, we, we have been friends for a long time, but you've been friends you've for been, a longer time. Yes. Your mum texted me on my birthday saying, uh, is it 30 years? I'm like, I think it's next year. But yeah. 29 years we've been friends, Corin. We have 29 years and a bit. I'm adding the bit in already. That's how long we've known each other as a whole millennial person. Wow, a whole yeah. millennial. <laughs> I, I ate one of them for dinner, so that was quite <laughs> brilliant. So yeah, and we've known each other quite a long time. Maybe not. It's not 29 years, but but a fair amount. As long time, as you've known me, almost. Almost. Yeah, pretty much actually. About almost. ten. <laughs> about ten. About ten years. Wow. Yeah. And we all know Joe, don't we? Put Joe down there. you'll know him a bit (laughs) so um i thought it'd be really really nice tash if you could just um talk a little bit about yourself um and what you do within pact um because you're going to be speaking at our conference as part of the taking care of series um obviously we've already said that you're our ambassador for well-being so if you could just give us a little bit of background about you that'd be wonderful yeah, so um, apart from being, yeah, the ambassador of Corinne's friendship for 29 years, <laughs> um, I, yeah, so I'm a trained psychodynamic psychotherapist, um, predominantly have like worked with a lot of young people in university settings and stuff like that as a counsellor um, for much of my career. I've done other sorts of various mental health and well-being kind of advocacy in previous jobs, etc., which is obviously what led me into working with you guys at PACT, uh, doing quite a similar role. And I suppose, um, well, what do I do? Uh, I facilitate well-being groups and discussions yeah. um, for your members and your student members, and that's happening at the moment monthly and uh working on some content to put up on your website it's been it's been really well received i know that yeah, right. um, it's wonderful to sort of see how how many people are finding those well-being sessions really um helpful for all sorts of different reasons so that's been great i, I know I've, I've just sort of like looking from afar corin's been quite involved in it haven't you corin yeah i i um i'm involved in those monthly with tash as well um and yeah, it's been it's been really good to see everyone get involved in it because sometimes it's one of those things. It's on the back burner. Yes, I'm going to get to me at some point, but I've got all these other things to do first. So um, it's nice to see people uh, taking time out for themselves. Um, we've recently just uh, we t- we try to do a theme, don't we, Tash? So sometimes it's a little bit more general, but the last uh, two were on imposter syndrome and I don't particularly know if it's um 
just for our industry. I, I think Tash would probably tell me not, but uh, it seems to be something quite prevalent. So that's why we ran that session twice in particular. But normally we uh, have a different topic each month. That's right. Yeah, we had a, a big uptake for that in both sessions. And, mm. um, it proved to be, I think, quite encouraging, quite reassuring for the guys that were able to attend and participate and not to feel so isolated in their experience and also some people that were you know there's quite a few of the new starters I don't want to I want to get my terminology correct with the students that have joined but um who were kind of getting ahead just seeing what might come up for them and and uh taking notes I suppose of like seeing what flags they can look out for how they can check in with themselves to to see whether that's something they're experiencing and noticing that before it kind of overtakes them and overwhelms them so yeah it's been really encouraging and the next one coming up don't know if I can plug this you certainly can yeah plug away <laughs> it's going to be about work-life balance which uh, uh yeah and the, and the way we've kind of chosen the themes has been through our more general discussions and what's kind of come up most typically for the members that have come along and shared their experiences and talked very openly with us so um yeah we've kind of pulled on those and are, are selecting them in that kind of way that's really interesting because i've never really considered that the benefit of uh almost heading it off at the pass as, uh, you know what i mean like like you know like you say looking for those flags that something might be brewing away in your head somewhere again that's probably not the right terminology is it brewing away in your head? brewing in your head oh, oh, no, i know i know what it means um so you're going to be speaking at our conference, um, doing a little talk about how to take care of yourself. But I've got a couple of questions um, yeah. that I think would be really, really beneficial if you're a dog professional. But also, I think it might be quite beneficial for other people listening as well. So if you don't mind, I'm going to fire them at you one at a time, okay. not both together. Um, so question number one. Um, so our conference is all about connecting communities. Um, that's the whole ethos around it. So how we can connect communities. So I thought with that um, kind of vibe going, a good question would be is why is having a community of like-minded, and I've put in brackets here, even not like-minded uh, people around you important for your well-being? I enjoyed the brackets of the not like-minded. Because <laughs> um, sometimes you do find yourself in spaces where not everyone's on the same page as you. but still. I'm going to start off with that bit, the not like-minded things. Um, I think still uh, having the opportunity to have conversations with people that can offer you a different type of perspective, providing obviously you're open to listening, can often, uh, I think, help you to internalise like new ideas, maybe even about yourself and and preconceptions about your worth and stuff. And um, especially if you've got like, uh, you know, if we're going to go into something about, you know, like imposter syndrome, for example, yeah. you might have some like negative thoughts about yourself and your abilities. And uh, when I say an, an unlike-minded person, you might be around someone who's actually overcome that potentially and, and is very confident in what they mm. do. And you might find that a very difficult person to be around, but actually through discussion, you might find a way to navigate something uh, and develop a new narrative that you can internalise that helps you kind of get through maybe certain experiences of that. 
Yeah. Um, I'm trying not to make this political because also some <laughs> people who are not like-minded are just not that great. <laughs> um, That's fair enough, yeah, I think. And yeah. I'm going to leave that statement as ambiguously there as I as we can at the moment. Um, but in terms of just like uh, communities of people like-minded or otherwise, um, I think there's like a huge value in being able to have a space where you can feel seen and you can feel heard and you can feel acknowledged in whatever it is that you're experiencing, be that positive or negative and just a space where you can share. And I think something, if we were just to take that back into, you know, pandemic and lockdown life, you know, and these are all like trigger words. I know we're not really, mm. we're trying to pretend hasn't happened in some kind of way. But the isolation that kind of was born out of that and the separation from community um, and the implications and the impact that that's had on so many people at that time and now kind of as a hangover from the pandemic, um, I think it's just testament to how valuable those spaces are. And the wellbeing groups that we run, you know, with impact, I think is also another prime example about where that can be so important. And especially, you know, I've done a lot of learning since becoming, you know, part of PACT, you know, and understanding what it is to be an independent worker mm. in a field where you are seen as an, ac- an a- <clears throat> excuse me, as an expert. Um, and it's not that it's an antisocial type of job. It sounds like a lot of it's a lot of human to human interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but that the other humans that you might be surrounded by, people who need things from you, and don't necessarily give anything back. And I think community yeah. can provide, provides that food, like gives that back to you. And if you have an opportunity to reach out into spaces that can help kind of nourish you in that way and speak to you and listen to you and see you, even if it's family or if it's other dog trainers or other people who work with animals, etc. other, um, I don't know, just some bloke down the pub who's just got an ear that night yeah yeah. (laughs) you know I think those things can just be so 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 important and that's the um that's the value in in community is that sharing and I was kind of I always think about food when I think about it I don't know know what that says about me but I know what you you mean though it's it's that sort of nourishing (laughs) environment isn't it it's that I I totally get what you're saying there I I saw what Tash just said then um uh about uh the the, you know when you're with a client and that person perhaps isn't one like-minded and they need something from you that's why it's so important to have that community around you and I think there'll be loads of people listening that will be like yeah I, I, I get that yeah yeah and there's no shame in in looking for that you know and I think there's sometimes there's so much stigma around asking for help and I think asking for help is part of that community building type thing. You can get, you can be trained up to your eyeballs and you can garner all your knowledge like independently online and you can learn anything from YouTube these days. Mm. You can build a whole business like that, but on your own, there's still no kind of, um, there's no sense of someone mirroring where you're at with it and those things mm. where you can kind of want to double check stuff or share ideas and kind of, I don't know, like, Put, put ideas together in a pile and, de- and develop and grow in a new kind of way that might not be available to you on your own. I think, like, um, yeah, you just 
need those little extra kind of like yeah, I, no, they want, I, I totally get what you're saying 100 percent. and, and yeah. I, actually i think i know jay jay wants to say something in a sec but um now now you're saying it it seems really really obvious you know what i mean like that that kind of idea of someone mirroring back like how well you're doing i mean i'm lucky that i work with corin but i know so many people that work independently so that that could definitely have a um have an effect yeah i did say I'm i was nodding there. away there just yeah. so everybody knows <laughs> I'm, Not that, just I'm just going to say, I'm very <laughs> lucky. You don't normally say that, Steve, when you talk about that. Um, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, for me, I, I sort of see it from afar and, and quite often people call like dog trainers, like counsellors. There's, there's so much counselling involved and, you know, I don't know a huge amount about counselling, but what I do know is that human counsellors have to, as part of their professional thing, have someone that they can see and kind of, decompress and because you can really take on a lot of the emotion from the people that uh, mm. you're seeing and things so i think that was something that we right at the beginning we kind of said this is so important because you know i i don't know the sector that well but i've seen people kind of that have been drained by spending a lot of time with people in you know in really difficult positions with their with their family um and you know so the need for this was, was so clear um, yeah. you know it feels feels almost like it should be mandatory that people mm. have this kind of space even if they don't realize it they they maybe need a, a way to kind of pick this up um so yeah it's really important and i think we we have had a discussion about um what like how we can support this and, and this is as you say just the kind of start of that process and always looking for new ways to kind of find find more support yeah 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 definitely we're really passionate about that and I think um I've always thought that as well Jay I, I know um I as far as I'm aware anyway I don't know no but I was aware that uh, counsellors do have to like Jay said and I thought well yeah that's kind of definitely uh, I can see that link that Jay's making there yeah it's really I all of this stuff kind of it, I've I've recently been learning a little bit about when I was doing my puppy course, um, when I was writing the puppy course about um, coaching, like the other end of the lead, like human coaching skills. And a lot of that is about how you can actively listen, like really listen, not just sort of like wait for someone to finish what they're saying so you can just jump in straight away afterwards. And that's that's quite a skill in itself. Really, really difficult one to sort of master, isn't it? That sort of active listening. And and if we are doing a lot of that sort of stuff as professionals, like listening to people over and over again, it's very important that I guess you get listened to on the other side of that. Um, if you've got things that you need to get off your chest. Yeah. hundred percent. It's just so valuable, isn't it? And I think it's, I go over this every time we have a group, I'm always like the, the kind of time and effort you put into working with dogs. You've got, to, you've got to start bringing that back into yourself. You know, that patience you exercise these little moments of comfort, you know, the praises, the listening to them, understanding what their wants and their needs are, and then knowing that those are the same demands that you need for yourself too, and that where can you find that and where is a space that people were able to facilitate at least some aspects of those needs for you and what other bits can you fill in yourself with your own kind of self-care and boundary setting, et cetera, et cetera. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So brilliant. Um, Question number two. Yeah. Um, so, 
I guess when when we're talking about connecting communities, what we are um, asking people to do is maybe reach out to other dog professionals or other areas in the sort of dogosphere, if you like. Um, and and that's going to, for some people, that's going to be quite scary, right? They're, it's really quite difficult to put yourself out there because sometimes you get knocked back. I mean, I think, you know, there are benefits to being knocked back sometimes for sure, but it's a scary thing. So the other question would be, could you explain um, the potential benefits people could gain from stepping out of that comfort zone? Definitely. But when I read this question, I just went off into a million different tangents and then down a rabbit hole a little bit. <laughs> my first question was really was like, well, what what do you mean by a comfort zone in that respect? Um, okay. Because I think the, the initial kind of go to is, you know, just having things of ease around you. No, like having a sense of a perceived outcome because you're doing the same thing every day. Um, yeah. Yeah, those sorts of things. Yeah. And I think that these things kind of get linked into like maybe like physical, like your physical settings and just knowing if I get home at half seven and the dinner's ready by eight, then I can watch, I don't know what's on live telly, EastEnders, is that sort of thing? Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know and I think and routine maybe um I think people perceive the comfort zone as strictly to do with routine and kind of where I went off to was a little bit of um the comfort zone of like learned behavior okay um, yeah okay no I like that <laughs> and I don't want to make this kind of like technical or theoretical at all um but I think there's like value in that discussion in terms of you know you can limit what you do and how you choose to kind of engage with new challenges and stuff based on where how you already engage with with the world now so some oh. people can resist i think and trying to do something new um and they can palm it off as like a fear of failure and they're like but i know where i'm at and i can stay where i'm at and nothing needs to change and nothing needs to be hard and i'm scared of that you know rejection of something that I might be trying to do um but often I've kind of seen as well that actually if you, you can kind of shift that perspective slightly and often the fear is sometimes in the success because then you have to meet yourself with another another challenge you know what if I do really well and then a new door opens up and I don't know how to get through that door you know and I think trying to step out of that kind of comfort zone is is the most challenging yeah but the rewards that you reap can be so kind of magnificent and really like can be life-changing and those little kind of you haven't even got to think of it in something as big as like trying out something new career-wise it can be something as simple as you know when I get home from work my thing is normally I'm just sitting I'll answer my emails while I'm watching telly but just setting a new boundary for yourself and be like I come mm -hmm. home from work I'm turning my phone off and that's really hard to do it can make you feel so anxious really stressed worried that your clients are going to disappear worried that you're not you haven't communicated that boundary clearly enough you know what your automatic reflex is to reach for your phone but actually when you commit to that and it takes a little moment to kind of get used to that change and you might slip up, you might make an error, you might go back into old habits. But the benefit of that when you nail it 
you know, just means that you've got your whole evening. That's just you and whatever you're doing in your home life. Um, that's, you know, yeah. that's the thing that goes on and on. I love that because obviously, yeah, the, the question wasn't maybe fleshed out greatly. <laughs> Um, I, but look where that's taken us. That's wonderful. I really, really like that because yes, yeah, stepping out of your comfort zone doesn't necessarily mean it, it, it can mean step almost stepping into your comfort zone is stepping out of your comfort zone as well, isn't it? And yeah. that's something again, I've never ever considered that. Yeah. And we, we do struggle, I think dog trainers with these sort of boundary setting, um, and, and not, you know, uh, foraging forward with, something new to do because we're afraid of that sort of failure as well that you mentioned i think that's a that's a really really big one what do you think karen oh i think jay had a point to make so i'm gonna let jay go oh jay go, go. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily about that but it was sort of i guess maybe circling back to your original question steve mm. um if if someone kind of feels they need to find some support are there, are there any downsides? Because obviously you sort of said stepping out of the comfort mm. zone. If someone's not used to kind of reaching out for support, maybe professionally um, some support to help them if they if they need that. Um, you know, are there downsides to that? I guess you could get someone who doesn't quite match your your needs as a as a as a counsellor, or um, is it? Oh, you know, you, I, yeah, I know. I was thinking of Corin on that kind of thing, but I'm, I'm more than happy and comfortable talking about yeah. the fact that I see counselors, um, counselors, I've already <laughs> said <laughs> regularly, you know, and um, I have seen a couple, some I've met somebody once and gone, they're not for me. I've uh, gone back to somebody maybe three or four times thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this, uh, and then finally decided that they weren't for me again. Um, and uh, I've seen a couple of people um, for years at a time. So I, I definitely think if you go along and you find that you don't gel with that person, that, that, that then don't give up. You know, if you're if you're seeking support and you didn't find it at that session, it doesn't mean that you can't get the support you need. It just wasn't there with that person at that time for whatever reason. Um, and I'm going to let Tash take over now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I just think... Um... You know, I think just going back to even the the initial much earlier point I kind of made about feeling able to ask for help. I think sometimes that that's already your first hurdle, isn't it? And and when you if you ask for help and you don't quite find the right match, then that can be such a kind of feel like such a setback. And some people that when your resilience is quite down, you're feeling quite vulnerable. That's maybe it's not as easy to kind of continue with that trudging up the hill. So that is a bit of a downside to that. And you know, to link that into, you know, a comfort zone, the comfort zone is just stay where you're at then. I'm not going to bother asking for help. I, I don't want to reach out because it's too, it, navigating that might not be successful on, you know, moment one. And that's not down to you as an individual who's asking for help. It's about gelling, you know, again, linking it to dogs. Not all dogs like each other. Blows my mind because I think all dogs are great. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I think, yeah, there is a bit of a downside to it, but I think also, you know, to echo what Corin said, that that perseverance, um, even in your own time, like I think it's also important to check in with yourself and give yourself the time and the space. It's not that one didn't work, so I'm going to try a new one tomorrow. I'm going to try a new one tomorrow. It might take you a couple of years. Yeah. To that. But when you found that little moment, that little sweet spot, and however that looks, professional, fat, familial, in your friendship group 
other fellow dog, you know, people who work with dogs, etc. Like, I think when you find your sweet spot, then you that's the, that's the moment when you've got to kind of recognize, be able to check in with yourself, recognize where you, how far you've come, and then kind of hold on to that, and then share share your journey. And so, also, um, audio books. Oh, I love them. You know, if you aren't comfortable, if you don't like the idea at this point, wherever you are in time, the idea of going along and talking to someone, perhaps listening to something um, might might be a good first step. Yeah, I love an audio book. Can't oh, get, can't get yeah. enough of them, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so, so much, um, Tash, for coming and talking to us. I hope that's uh, whetted the appetite of uh, people and they're going to want to come to our connecting communities conference even more to see you do your little chat are you are you nervous tash about of course of course i'm terrified <laughs> i'm not a natural uh like public speaker at all i will 100 percent be in my outside of my comfort zone and then immediately when i've left the stage or the platform or whatever I will go into my comfort zone, which will be the pub. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I'll be. <laughs> and that's where she'll meet us there after. Yeah. And like, just, I think just to say kind of, you know, no one's immune from experiencing anything. So I think it's like a fallacy that we will kind of shuffle through life, believing that other people are just, you know, nailing existence in whatever way that we've kind of projected that to look like. And I think it's important for us to kind of acknowledge in, in the discussion that can go on and on for hours about mental health and well-being is that we're all kind of figuring it out as we go along even professionals who you know know about it in specifics like I'm still learning every day and continue to do so so um yeah brilliant yeah. I mean I know that I feel like Tash definitely needs to come back on the podcast at some point yeah no, I was yeah. thinking that we we could do I, we could I do a good, a good couple of hours I reckon Tash yeah <laughs> Go on and on and on. Jay, and just, all your subscribers go off. <laughs> just, just before we let you uh, wander off into the night, um, Jay's reminded me of something. Uh, we're not saying we're definitely going to do this, but let's say uh, you had the choice of music. You know, like uh, boxers as they walk out onto the stage. They have like a little thing. <laughs> uh, what song would you choose for yourself? Yeah, what, I know. Just this, like yeah, like a, like a little, yeah, like your little theme song for coming out. Um, all I've got is just really sad music. <laughs> I was like, I went straight to Damien Rice. So, oh, what cannonball? What cannonball? <laughs> it won't be that song. No, it'll be um, Cheers, darling. Probably where he's like oh. really angry about his girlfriend cheating on him. Oh, so, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to that's going to hype the audience up. That isn't it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I should have been forewarned. I would have thought about that a bit. So you're not you're not going for like Eye of the Tiger. No. <laughs> that was what was in my head, but I don't, did someone really? say that? Oh, really? Was that what was in your head? You're going to come out. Oh, dear. We'll, we'll make that happen for you, Corin. That'd be great. <laughs> no, no, it's not that I wanted it. It's just that that was playing in my head the whole time. Oh, no. Thank you so, so much. Um, what Thank we you, what man. we uh, do, Tash, is we do a fake bye. So we all say bye and then I press stop. Everyone knows this on the podcast already. And then we do a real bye. So don't disappear after fake bye. Okay, bye. I've got it. So fake bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. bye. <laughs> Ah, do come in, Mr. Dog. Thank you. Great to see you again. Yes. Take a seat. <clears throat> so I understand you've been having some issues in the park. Do tell. Oh, 
I don't know what's gone wrong in my life. I've always loved balls since the day I was a pup, and my mum always gives me one when I go out. But now I want them all. Yes, I see. That really is a problem. Hmm. I could see how that could land you in some trouble, yes? And yes, I know, it's really, really hard But you can't just go grabbing bodies in the park, yo Well, Doctor what? What the hell am I supposed to do? Other rollers throwing balls right there in front of you The thing they'd know, I am a bloody border collie I need to break this cause I'm sick of being bully wally My prescription is to stick it off the puffer now Do some sniffing, take a break before you cause a row It isn't great to wander around all day this high when all is said and done, I know you're just a hurdy guy But you can't just go grabbing bodies in the park No, you can't just go grabbing bodies in the park No, you can't just go grabbing bodies in the park But you can't just go grabbing bodies in the park, no Hello! Hello! Ha-ha! <laughs> Karen's been, we should probably, uh, I think, um address the elephant in the room that you've been awake since 4 30 is that right yeah wow so if i'm a little bit uh you know hyper <laughs> i might have got to the hysterical stage <laughs> it's the 15 espressos that you had to drink yeah. on your way home <laughs> i've been drinking tea all day so um wow you you don't really need an introduction do you karen murray friend of the podcast um business specialist extraordinaire wonderful wonderful human being but just in case we have any um, new listeners um, coming along for this episode, could you give us a little brief description of what you do, Karen? No, I could do. So, yeah, Karen Murray, I um, I am a business coach to solo business owners. That's where I specialise. And I really try and work with people who are specialists in something, experts in something that isn't business ownership. So very often, like dog trainers, we're experts at doing that bit. And then there's all this other stuff that we have to do to own a business, to have a successful, profitable business. And that bit is all a bit of a mystery sometimes. Mm. And so I help people kind of dig through that mystery and create a business that they love working in. Now, imagine, if you will, listeners, that you uh, that you wanted advice from someone that's very, very clued into the world of business, but also that person was also studying to become a dog trainer. I mean, that's that's the full package, right? Because that's what Karen's doing at the moment. Karen is actually on our um, canine training instructor course, on our packed instructor course. So Smashing it as well, may I say. Yes. Oh. Doing very <laughs> well. And we're not just trying to get a discount off our next... Uh... <laughs> You uh, already get a discount. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, so just, just how, how, how is that? Because you that must be stepping out your comfort zone a little bit, right? That definitely is because within business, you know, I know the lingo. I know that I'm pretty comfortable. And when I have to say I don't know, it's easy for me to go and find out something. Mm. So because I know where to look for the information. This is obviously, it's a completely different language. It's a completely different way of presenting information. So um, the heady world of operant conditioning has uh, blown <laughs> my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah there is, there's a lot of jargon, isn't there? A whole load of that. Yeah, yeah there is. And, and I think it's, it's easy to get lost in all of that. Um, and obviously, one of the things that for me as a business coach that's also 
trying as, as I go along to think, how would I say that to somebody that doesn't know that language and doesn't ever need to know it? Um, so I think my brain's kind of on double time trying to also create what language would I use if this was my business? And whilst at the same time learning the language, you know, for all my assessments and things. That's really, really interesting, actually, isn't it? Because I can see yeah. how that, yeah, I can see how that would, uh, yeah, tie you out, to say the least, anyway. You're sort of learning the, the, the two stages that maybe people go through, you're doing at once. <laughs> yeah, because my head just thinks yeah. that way. It's just like yeah. how I think. So, I'm, yeah, I am sort of, it's, it's quite interesting. And doing the essays has been interesting for that, thinking through how I want to do the essays so that, yeah, they they work for me in terms of my long term as well as for passing yes so you're yeah. coming along to our conference to do a talk um as part of yeah. the taking care of um section of the conference Hooray. um oh. and you're going to be specifically sort of um going to be providing tips about how you can develop and grow your professional dog business Okay. Um, so we thought what would be really nice today, just to introduce you to people who might not know you, is to ask you a couple of questions that I think um, could help um, people who are a bit worried about starting their own business, maybe getting into it for the first time, or maybe even people who have been in for, into it for a while, um, mm. and it might help them. So I've, I've devised a couple of questions. Um, so uh, here we go, if that's okay with you. Yeah, let's go. Going to throw them at you. Um, so... Question number one, what skills do dog trainers already possess that will put them in good stead to becoming a business person, owner, solopreneur? I love this question. This is such a good question because I think people believe that you need a special separate skill set. And very often when we are thinking about doing something outside of our comfort zone, we always um, we have a tendency to ascribe to that thing a set of skills that we don't have. So if you were asked to write a weekly blog, you'd immediately say, oh, but I'm not a very good writer um, because you've believed that to write a good blog, you need to be a good writer. Um, and actually, there's so much more to writing a good blog than just the writing bit. And it's the same with business ownership that we... We tend to think and define things in terms of what we're not rather than what we are. And, and the first thing that I would say, I suppose, in answer to that question, um, which is slightly oblique, I'll, I will directly answer it, but slightly obliquely, is over the, I've been coaching solo business owners now for over seven years. And I've coached hundreds of business owners, and I can categorically tell you that there is no one skill set that guarantees business success. So I have seen introverts, extroverts, um, people with dyslexia, neurodiverse people. Um, I've seen people with disability. Um, I've seen people who are could practically be a Mensa and people who barely got an A-level or, or a GCSE all have success in business. Mm. Success Because success in business actually is, is more to do with your attitude and your frame of mind than it is to do with a specific skill set. But there are some things that dog trainers generally have to do that can be very useful, particularly in the marketing mm. aspect. And I think in, in the marketing, what you're doing 
is tailoring information and making it easily consumable, consumable for people. And dog trainers, the more you work with clients, the more you realize how much you need to tailor your information for each person that's in, in front of you. And that skill of being able to tailor information is hugely beneficial when it comes over to the marketing. And you also are very good at providing quick wins for people, building people's confidence. And you need to do that in your marketing again, because what you want to show people through your marketing is that they can do it. They can be the type of guardian that they really want to be. So instilling confidence in people, um, your ability to do that with your clients is going to carry through into your marketing. And the other thing when I've been on field work with people is noticing how good um, dog trainers are when they're working with clients at breaking down a big outcome into much smaller steps. Mm. You're really good at saying, okay, we want to get to loose lead walking and either back chaining that or just breaking it down and saying, well, let's just start here with this bit. And when you're working in your business, not just with clients, but on big projects that you're trying to get underway, that ability to think about an outcome and then break it down into smaller steps will stand you in really good stead. So those are things that I definitely would immediately think of. Um, when it comes to actually running classes, dog trainers are pretty organized. They tend to be very organized about how they run their classes. And if they can carry some of that through into the way that they do some of the maybe administrative bits of their business, <laughs> that I know aren't the sexy, exciting bit, but the more, the more organized you are before a class, the better the class goes because you feel calm and in control. And it's exactly the same in your business. So I think there are definite carryover skills, um, you know, personal development. You're, you're always, dog trainers I know are always doing personal development. And if you can also align some of your personal development into learning some business skills and being as fascinated about that, that's also a really good carryover skill. So I hope that gives listeners a bit of confidence that it's not a completely alien thing. Running a business isn't completely different to being a dog trainer. You, you can just reframe some of what has to happen in, in terms of what you're already good at. I love that. Really, really yeah. like that as an answer. That's great. It makes me feel like I'm a business expert. That no, doesn't. You are. Um, <laughs> well, you are. <laughs> well, yeah, but you but... gave me, you, you gave us some advice a couple of weeks ago that I think again aligned with, and that's why I did the post um, mm. in the packed members group because I thought it aligned yeah. with what we're doing every day. You know, we always think that we have to give people the most all mm. the time, and sometimes the simplest uh, bit of advice that you have is that you know that could be a, a really good place for that person to start or or go back to or just you know picking you're those so right Corinne because it's the lay it's layering and and with everything you want to get someone hooked into one thing first and build their confidence and then you can layer onto that and you know we were talking about productivity and and that that rhythm that I gave you for productivity that can then be layered onto a rhythm that enables you to do monthly reviews and have a business plan that you stick to but it starts with that very small make sure that every day you know you know what you want to achieve in that day yeah perfect perfect i've got anything to add to that jay 
What are you reckon? Um, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, obviously, you, you've been supporting all of us for quite some time, really, mm. yeah. um, which has been invaluable. And, you know, we, we had a discussion with Tash about kind of where you can find support for things and getting different views and, and um, you know, business can be quite scary for people when they, mm. they kind of think, particularly where they're starting off. And I know there's a lot of discussions with, with people who are uh, you know, worried about there not being enough enough work and there's this kind of scarcity thing that um, we, you know, and there's, there's some organisations kind of use that as a kind of buy our course because mm. there's not there's not enough dogs going around whereas we've obviously taken the complete opposite view which is there's lots of dogs um you can find your niche and we kind of support you to be the trainer that you want to be and not to mm. be versions of us kind of thing. yeah absolutely and having that kind of business support to, is is a critical part of that it's really mm. important mm. yeah yeah 100 yeah. 100 so if i was going to flip this around a little bit and possibly give you an opportunity to have a rant karen if you if you'd like one um here's another question okay so what is so now you've you've spent a bit of time with dog training obviously we've been working with you for ages but you've been mm. on the on the on the instructor course and you've met loads of other dog trainers and maybe even talked to some of them about their businesses what is the biggest hurdle you think a dog trainer has to creating a pro I've, I've worded this purposefully pro a profitable business what would you say is a bit there might be more than one um but what would you say i have been thinking about this since you i uh, could i did have these in advance thank you yeah, for yeah, doing that okay. <laughs> so um i think un as an umbrella thing my my thing would be about belief um mm. and belief in your ability to run a business and belief in yourself as a trainer um, and as a business owner. And that then feeds down into a number of other things. And, and Jay is so right in the um, need for an abundance mentality um, because I did some quick kind of research around this, partly in prep of, for, um, for my talk on the 19th of October. Um, and the PDSA and YouGov have done some research that have led them to be able to estimate that 27% of UK adults have got a dog. So that's an estimated population of 10.2 million pet dogs. Mm. And that's gone up by 2 million in the last 10 years. So I think that one of the things that troubles me when people feel protectionist, oh God, there's a trainer that's just down the road from me. It's like, thank God. Thank mm. God there is a trainer just down the road <laughs> from you that believes what you believe, because that means there's two of you in the area saying the same message. Because, and, and actually what you want is three and four of you all banding together and being a community in that area that says we support each other. And we cheer each other on and we help each other. And we all believe the same. We all believe that reward-based training is the right way forward. Because if you've got 27% of adults, 10.2 million dogs in the country, a lot of those adults are going to have grown up with dogs and different beliefs about what having a dog involves and different ways of... 
And not everybody yet understands the message. And I so I think belief, belief that we can change things, belief that you may just be one dog trainer in an area. And it's okay that there's somebody just down the road. In fact, it's a good thing. And I think that's why the the conference connecting communities is so important. that We understand that we are stronger together, that it's a good thing when there are other trainers and go and get to know them. And say to them, you know, I'm friend, not foe. And, and you know, let's at least be friends and let's at least support each other. Um, we may be, you know, doing the same thing, but we can support each other and cheer each other on because there are plenty of people in the area. So I think belief in yourself as a trainer, belief that there is enough work and that then is belief in yourself enough to, to charge what I think we should be charging Um, for dog training because I think it's very troubling when we tell the community that we're in when we tell the world that we think reward-based training is of very low value Mm. and we do that when we don't have belief in ourselves and belief in in the fact that it is the right thing and it is it is predominantly the way that we should be training all dogs um, when we don't have that level of belief and we say, oh, I'm just going to charge 5p for my training because I'm new and I don't really know anything and I want everybody to be able to have training. What people actually hear is reward-based training doesn't have very much value. But this person over here that does this other type of training that really shouts loudly about it and says how fantastic it is and how amazing they are and they're really Oh, full of fire and verve about it, and they charge a bloody fortune. Mm. They must be fantastic. That must be the way forward because these people over here, they don't have that going on. They're not, you know, they're all very meek and mild. And if you'd like to train your dog like this, that would be really, really lovely. You know, I, I've joked with you before that I think force free training could be one of the problems with business. <laughs> it's not the training <laughs> that's the problem. But force-free training ethos. seems to go seems to go hand in hand with force-free marketing. Yeah, or marketing <laughs> with zero force and like we should. So belief, belief is my thing. That's the big biggest hindrance to me, not just in your business, but in in force-free and reward-based training becoming the predominant method of training in this country. If we want to lead a dog training revolution, we have to behave like revolutionaries, and a lot of us. Are far too apologetic so that was my rant steve you know when you put uh the music over danielle beck's episode what the rousing I think karen needs her own music over that speech i get- <laughs> loved it and uh what an amazing speech after you've been up for so many hours so thank you karen. well i really you know that that comes from the heart that's what i really yeah. I, it troubles me it really troubles me because when we're out and about and we are walking and seeing the life that some dogs live, you know, we've got to believe in ourselves and and we've got to come together as a community. And it doesn't matter if you throw the treat first and then call the dog or you do it this way and then you reward with a toy or you do it. I don't care as long as it's reward-based, force-free training and we can all agree that that's the way forward. If you do it a slightly different way to me, I'm going to cheer you on from the rafters and I'm not going to get on your post and say that wasn't a very good loose lead training video because that dog was pulling on the lead a little bit well hang on a minute I I recognize that voice it was you wasn't it that commented (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, <laughs> let's not do that to each other. And that's the point about connecting with each other as, as a community is coming together and saying we are for each other and yeah. we are for this type of training. And that's really, you know, the belief part is a lot of what I'm going to be talking about. So you'll have more of that at the conference because that's what I see as the biggest hindrance, Steve. That's a very long answer no, to a short question. I, I, I sense a mic drop coming up at the conference as well, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a spare one that's not connected to anything. A blow, I can, blow I can up find one. an old one here. <laughs> a blow up one. <laughs> Good. Actually, I think there should be a blow up one on the lectern. Yeah. So anybody feels that they've had a mic drop moment can drop it. Can drop it down. Yeah, oh, yeah I like that. I can and I would like to see everyone do that. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody will have in their speech yeah. a mic drop moment. I have absolutely no doubt yeah. that because the, the caliber of people that you've got speaking is is so good. I'm very excited. I think Jay, Jay's got something to say. Um, yeah, how do you follow Karen? I yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's quite daunting. Um, I think, I mean, I've, I've, I think we all feel quite fortunate that we've got Big K in our life. Mm -hmm. and, oh, yeah. Um, it was sort of a, a thing of fortune that, that um, you started um, seeing that and then kind of ended up supporting each other and, and things. Mm. Um, Maybe not something to say too much about because it could be spoilers for what I'm keen for you to kind of talk about at the conference. But um, we've got sort of business support within the pack course. I think most other dog training organisations have a bit of business support within there. So if people are, are with other organisations, they probably get some support. But um, is there something out there or is it that easy to find someone who can give you that kind of support? Um, I don't know much about kind of business coaching, um, whether it's the kind of wild west and you just Google and find someone or if it's if it's that straightforward. But um, obviously the conference is open for everyone. We want everyone to yeah. come, whether a packed person or not. Um, yeah. um, and it's I guess that's the kind of outcome that you whether whether it is possible that people can kind of leave the conference and they're not packed members, but they don't need to be because we've given them some some advice about where they can find find help in this area yeah i mean i certainly with impact there there is um i've got i've got stuff and and there are other there are specialists who are dog tra dog trainers who have grown dog training businesses that that now have courses for and certainly you know with that abundance in mind mm. i know Somebody posted about it in the packed group recently. Um, Sarah, somebody, Sarah I think. Sarah Whitehead, I think it is. Sarah the inner Whitehead. circle. Yeah, the inner circle. So she's definitely somebody that I've heard her name a few times come up. And like, I don't know, I don't know her as a trainer. So my assumption is because it's coming up in packed that she's force free and yeah. and you know reward-based and and all that good, all of that good stuff. And um, so yeah, she's definitely a name that comes up. And we do have it with Impact, and I think Impact we're looking to grow that part of the uh, course. But it is a little bit of the wild west out there, uh, because like dog training, um, you don't have to be accredited. I'm not going to say it's not a regulated industry because dog training actually is a regulated industry. It's just that not everybody wants to be part of that part of the industry. So yes, you can be an unaccredited trainer. You can be an unaccredited coach. And there isn't a dog training 
coach course that you can become accredited in. Um, so you have to go with somebody when you listen to them, you feel an affinity with them and you feel that what they're saying, you understand and they're clear and that you could follow what they're saying and, and that it doesn't feel icky to you. I think it's it's very much a, a gut feel, but also that they're not doing anything too wild and wacky. Yeah. Their ideas are not too out there that, you know, we don't all have to be social media giants to get the message out there. And, and so those are the things that I'm looking out for when I'm looking for somebody that, you know, I might either partner with or would recommend. Perfect. It's actually quite strikingly similar sort of answer to when we were talking to Tash about how you go about finding a counsellor that might help support you as well. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really interesting. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Karen. And again, it's uh, as with um, with Tash's one, it's you could always talk to you for hours and hours and hours. Um, but we do have one final question before we go. And that is um, if, and again, we're not saying it, that this is definitely going to happen, but if there was some sort of uh, theme tune uh, as you, you know, entered the room or if you did want to carry your own sort of boom box on your shoulder as you come <laughs> as you come through the crowd in a David Brent-esque way. Um, <laughs> what would the music be, Karen? Come on. Okay. What would the music be? The music would be Good Times. Yes. Cheap. Nice, 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 nice. Nice beat. We can all be getting up and dancing. Yeah. And I do believe that um, I'm the eternal optimist. So things might be feeling a little bit shitty right now. But as the eternal optimist, I believe that things will get better. And, you know, it has been a really challenging couple of years, but better times are ahead of us. And we can make those better times come when we support each other. And um, so it might be a bit of a cheesy finish, but I do feel that that's why the conference is so important is that better times come when we join together and we support each other. And, and there can be no better way right now than to help each other through challenging times by connecting and connecting with other communities. So we can be that support for each other. And then we can have good times. Well, you, you can have good times as you walk in. You're definitely having D-ream. Things can only get better as you walk out. How about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking the uh, money, money, money. <laughs> yeah, there, there could be loads, but um, yeah. I, do, I do love good times. Maybe you have Well, I do uh, love good times. So. Yeah. Don't we all? Uh, Thank you so, so much. So we're going to do a fake bye. So you. hang around for a real bye, okay? Bye. Bye. Thank you for having Bye. me. Thanks. Thanks. I went to Peaches for a walk and everything was fine. It wasn't very busy and the weather was sublime. We'd done a few great recalls and practiced loose leader. But mostly we did sniffing because sniffs are basic media. And that is when it happened. I couldn't quite believe it. A million miles away from any washroom or convenience My pictures did a poop and being conscientious man I stooped down to collect, that's when it happened Put my fingers through the poop bag I put my fingers, put my fingers through the poop bag I put my fingers, put my fingers through the poop bag I put my fingers, put my fingers through the poop bag What the hell am I gonna do? It's through the poop bag I put
Hello. Hello. I've gone, hello. I've gone for three different hellos. I did, uh, uh, for the first one, I did a uh, hello okie dokie type weird thing. Then I did a kind of long drawn out hello. This time I went for an abrupt hello. <laughs> there you go. I think, you know, mix it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You agreed? Agreed? <laughs> I reckon that's not a mic drop moment, Steve. I'm getting, I'm getting <laughs> blank, blank faces staring back at me. Yeah, it's, uh, a, it's a good insight you know. to your brain, how your brain works. Steve. It is. It it's, actually is. It's a good insight to how late it is, I think. <laughs> So, um, very excited now. We're sort of, we're sort of breaking the the fourth wall a little bit, here, are. aren't we? Because um, uh, we are joined um for the last one of our taking care of uh series by our our wonderful best buddy and also <laughs> our um director of sustainability at Pact, Jason Light, or otherwise known as Silent J. Um, now everyone knows who you are, Jay, of course you've, you've appeared on the podcast before you have bought ice lollies before to us when we've yep. been recording, you have delivered beer. Um, you have <laughs> waved half naked through a window at us. You've done, you've done many things. Um, but I think for anyone that <laughs> that's doesn't your legacy. Know, <laughs> that's, your, yeah, that's your legacy, um, but for anyone that doesn't know you, could you give us uh, a little rundown of what it's like to be Jason Light? Silent J. Uh, well, that's a that's a very long thing to explain. Um, <laughs> well, but, you can you can, um, yeah, you can do the abridged version. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm a chartered environmentalist and have worked on environmental projects for oh, twenty years. So, Ooh. a millennial, as yes. as Tash would say, um, and. Uh, mainly in local government but i've done a few bits and pieces for different things and um all pretty much everything you can imagine around the, the sort of sustainability so you name it i've done it i've spent years working on climate projections and how that works with with organizations and public services all the way through to fuel poverty projects and which is very very apt it's sort of yeah. big thing at the moment yeah um, and yeah. kind of everything in between and 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 you still maintain an optimistic happy go lucky attitude jay as well don't you yeah i mean you have to kind of um <laughs> he does though he, he really does, does. Really, he does much it. more than me <laughs> yeah you could imagine working in that field could could grind you down a little bit maybe but not jay not our jay yeah i think i mean you you know everyone has their their bit where they, they sort of have to find a way to manage it and you know we've spoken to tash i've found all sorts of ways to manage it and you know connecting communities is is one of my main ones to be fair i've, I've got uh i used to chair a regional group of environmentalists and we used to have a kind of monthly i used to call it like a self-help group where we go to the pub and is that green drinks yeah yeah um, and it was you know it was all environmental professionals sometimes there was like 30 of us and we'd all meet up um, and kind of set the world to right and kind of help each other and really support each other so it's uh, everyone needs it in every sector i can't i've the amount of people i've spoken to haven't had that in their sector mm. and i've just gone oh you're, you're crazy how do you survive without that like 
I just you just need that. You need people who have the same problems as you and can help you along. And it's and it's interesting. Every sector has the same joke, which is like, um, you know, two environmentalists in the room never never agree on anything you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> what's, yeah. what's the what's the common thing about two dog trainers that yeah. they won't agree on you know yeah. they're all agree the third one's wrong yeah 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 it's, that that joke is every single sector and it's just not true um yeah it's, yeah it's silly but um but yeah and we you know we do that we it's it's kind of what people like to do but actually most of the time people like working together so and and, and what are you um hoping to achieve uh out of your role impact what what's what makes you so passionate about being involved in in what you're doing there um i think what's really interesting and i did a little piece in in one of the animal journal things which was looking at um dog trainers and i've, I've spent years working with people in lots of different professions i currently work in in the nhs and work with people in all sorts of different clinical roles and there's huge amounts of things they can do on the environment um but what's really interesting with dog trainers are they are professional behavior change experts mm. they you know they spend an human behavior change you know that there's bits about you know there's a huge amount of skill around the dogs but actually they are brilliant at working with humans and helping them change to do the right thing for their dog and the rest of their family um and i think that's quite unique for dog trainers yeah. um the other thing that's quite interesting is you know quite often dog trainers spend a lot of time outside they're quite connected to the environment um which is which is always a good way to kind of connect things through um and actually there's loads of stuff you can do you know they run their own business they've got all sorts of stuff they can do with how they, they operate um, and loads of control over it they're not they don't have to rely on lots of people um so i think there's there's some massive potential and there's been some really really cool projects around kind of nudge theory and different things where they've um they've looked at sectors and there's been some like really good projects where they've worked with like hairdressers and taxi drivers because they spend time with people who aren't their usual community you know dog trainers don't necessarily pick the type of person they might be completely politically different to them normally but they've got the dog in common um and the you know with the example of hairdressers and things they've they've done sessions where they've taught them about um how people can get access to benefits and then when the hairdresser is talking to someone um, if they don't pick up the magazine and give them the universal sign of I don't want to talk to you, <laughs> yeah, um, they can they can then talk to them about um, you know how, you know how are you doing if you you know if you've got problems with money you you know there's the the CAB down the road you can get some advice and the research from that and the outcomes of that has been really positive that they've been able to break those barriers and talk to people outside of their sectors. So we um, we, we kind of fit into that sort of professional nudges sort of for one oh, yeah professional for one nudges a, for one of a better expression but there's actually isn't there like a department of nudging or something like i'm not I'm, or yeah, some, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I've, I have it may not it may not still be there it was set up by david cameron 
Um, okay. There's the good um, old day. The cab- Where did he the- go? <laughs> <laughs> um, in the cabinet office, there was a there was a nudge department. Yeah. I actually met I actually met the person on it when I was working on a government. Project. You met the original nudger. <laughs> I don't know. It was the original. Nudger. Um, but I had a I had a weird day when I went up to Whitehall, and it's a very long story. But um, the um, I think what I think is really interesting is the more I've thought about this, the more I've realised that I can't think of another sector that is more perfect to engage with people about the environment than the dog sector yeah that's really because because your your the barrier of type of community is broken down because your customer or your you know your client is whoever they are um you've got the thing in common which is the the their companion animal um you're an expert in behavior change in human behavior change that's just what what you do every day um, and you've got that kind of connection to the environment. So I, I think it's there's massive potential there. And there's I love know. how excited Jay is. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think I just think it's I'm feeling it now. It's a big thing. And um, you know, we've got some big challenges. You know, we're all we all live under the same sun. We we all the you know, that changing climate and all of those issues are something that we all need to respond to. And, you know, whilst there's there's huge societal things and the systemic changes that need to happen there's also little things that people can do and you know you never know who you're talking to as well no. you, know, you might be you, you might be talking to you know the cabinet member for environment and you, you you're teaching them how to train their dog and you kind of say well you know here's the things i do with my business and spark some stuff it's 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 quite interesting you know i've, I've had people i've worked with and not realized quite how how big they are so you know it's not even just here's some things you've done uh let's see some change but i i, I think there's some big big potential there so in, in and your, even and oh, even oh sorry steve no, on, i was just going to say and even on that sort of smaller scale so so when just sort of sharing that knowledge maybe about ground nesting birds or something which i think is something that many of us are becoming a bit more aware about and and our dogs in those environments and how we can manage them and how that would have an impact on that perhaps your local environment or one of the walks that you love to go on and if more people that you're working with in that area are being responsible with their dogs in that area then what could happen yeah i think people often like to sort of pigeonhole things as being um for and against and mm. you know mm. people will quite often say you know oh, dogs are a pest to the countryside and you say ground nesting birds and stuff but you know dog walkers probably spend more time out in the countryside and actually appreciate and love that space mm. um and you know maybe they don't understand or appreciate that you know this this time of year just for a month keep your dog on the lead mm. in this particular mm. area and you know if you're connecting with them in the right way and you can kind of give them some advice for that um they might kind of go oh, actually I, I, why wasn't i doing that that's crazy yeah um so it's it feels like it should be quite straightforward and i know it's something that nat's done a lot of work on over the years and and there's some brilliant projects all over the uk looking at that yeah um, but it seems like a small thing but actually it's there's a lot yeah. of potential that that's kind of what i i wanted to talk about a little bit because yeah it, it, i think when it comes to the environment and maybe why why i'm not as chirpy as maybe you are jay um is that 
some for me sometimes it feels like those little things aren't enough do you know what i mean like there aren't enough big things happening for me to to well not that i i, I want to do all the little things but for me to see the worth in doing those little things but it's those ripples isn't it that that's the thing that's that's the point so maybe you can talk a little bit about why you know why those little things really matter just just before you do that though you think about those dog walkers say say those dog walkers stick their stick their dogs on the lead or choose to walk them in a different area because of ground nesting birds and then they communicate to their guardians oh this is why i'm doing this and then the guardians that had no idea about ground nesting birds go oh, I never thought about that. And then maybe they Google it and they have a look. And then next year, they're thinking about it. They tell, I mean, they're, they're the sort of ripple effects that could really affect something. Yeah, absolutely. And and there are, you know, if you're, if you're a dog trainer and you've got, you know, 100 clients and you talk to, you kind of throw it into a discussion, oh, I use these compostable bags because they, you know, they biodegrade properly and they're not, they work really well, but actually it means there's less, less um, oil being used to produce this product. Um, that's a kind of small thing, but if, if, you know, half of those people think, Oh, actually, where do you get those from? I might try that out. Um, oh, I hate to think how many poo bags. Yeah. I mean, we've got, yeah. got an Irish wolfhound, so there's <laughs> two bags moments. So do they make them that um, big? Yeah, that's a massive <laughs> amount of plastic. And you know, if they then speak to their friends and their friends and their friends, and you know, it's a bit like um Karen was saying, you know, it's kind of being um being willing to kind of be out there a bit and and show and showing people what you're doing is of, often one of the best ways to kind of sort of see that and mm. you know. Here's a product I use. It's great. Love it. Try it out. Here, have a few to take with you. Yeah, it's a tiny little thing, but all of that adds up quite yeah. quite significantly. And it's, you know, a really good example was um, you know, the the power of the the um the um Planet Earth series when there was the the um issues around plastic in the ocean and you know the amount of people who now um have who that really touched. And they're now doing all sorts of stuff around the environment, and they maybe weren't thinking about it before. And they they kind of watch Blue Planet, and then and then they've they've changed their whole career. Even it's quite yeah. significant. So yeah, there's and there there are big things that need to happen. Um, and there's there's organisations that that need to kind of learn to kind of do that. And you know, there's potential. You you've got, I think Karen said twenty six. 27% of people have got a dog. You know, imagine if all of those people clubbed together and said, you know what, I'm pretty sick of my dog not being able to walk in the summer because the pavement's too hot. Mm. We need to do something about climate change. You know, they it could have that kind of upswell. Yeah. Um, but it's it can also go at different levels. Um, and you know, there's organization, there's organizations out there that are trying to do the big stuff. It doesn't mean everyone has to try and do the big stuff you can just find ways to support them and what, what about business then from a from a sort of business standpoint what sort of things do you think we could we could look for as dog trainers behaviorists dog enthusiasts whether like you know people that might own a you know walking business what are the sort of things that you can look at which might make a difference there um there's quite a range i mean it obviously mm. depends on budget and size mm -hmm. and you know, an example where Nat got a little electric van and 
Mm-hmm. And um, that made a massive difference. It's really good for the dogs in the summer, particularly, and and that's massively cut the kind of carbon footprint of her her operations. Um, your there's so many different areas as a as a dog business. You might mm. buy different products. You might have a website. You know, you can you can use a different web provider. Some of them are far less carbon than the the, the bigger ones. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, there's 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 well, it's a very long list of different things. I mean, we obviously within within the kind of support we've got with Impact, there's lots of different things that yep. we, we kind of advise and templates and things you can go through. Um, but there's also different standards and things. And we we've looked at um, B Corp as an example as a kind of sustainable business standard that we're looking at, which is very detailed. Yeah. Um, but you can you can pick things up online and get some advice and things um to kind of look at but it, it basically everything that you spend money on has a has a footprint so my my first advice for someone with a business if if you've got accounts hopefully hopefully you know <laughs> what you spend your money on um just have a look at what the spend is on put it in order the biggest spend at the top and then have a think about what you can do and whether that's the most sustainable option. You know, do you have, and even the bank itself, mm. different banks have different things. There's some that are really positive around the environment. Um, you know, you don't really want your money that's sat in a bank account to be being used for supporting the fossil fuel industry. Maybe look at a different bank account. Yeah. So it's, there's a, there's a massive amount with with your with your business itself i think and, and yeah and not don't kind of look at it and think oh god i have to do everything straight away and get kind of stressed about it just kind of start with the biggest thing and work your way down with the kind of marginal gains approach so the biggest biggest gain at the top just go through that as in a in a way that works for you a lot of people wouldn't kind of think about i know i wouldn't of um, before I met you anyway um, and and Corin obviously um, as well as heavily into all of this sort of things as well but I, I wouldn't even consider that kind of like a, a bank do you know what I mean like, it just wouldn't it wouldn't be on my radar that yeah what, what's happening to my money while it's sat in an account it's, which is bizarre really when I when I say it out loud but yeah it's it's really interesting how sort of far into it you can get and and what differences you can make I was just thinking about how hard that question must have been for Jay to answer, really. He's <laughs> like, what can you do? Um, I'm going to go on for five hours. <laughs> well, you I did. Think, I mean, you did good, Jay. Yeah, I would say that, I mean, the, the key thing that I found for my whole entire career, I, I talk about how I'm a facilitator and, um, you know, every time I speak to someone about it, I never tell them what to do. I just say, you know, what's the biggest thing you do and, or why, why are you interested in the environment or, you know, what brought you here is always how I start that conversation because most of the time, all of the answers are already there. They know them and they, they, you kind of coach them through it and they come out with those answers and you end up with a, with a action plan that is based on what their priorities are. And it's a far more, um, it's far more kind of likely to deliver that. It's a more sustainable plan if if they've come up with it. And and you know most people will say, oh well, I've always thought about maybe doing, or maybe I could do this. And they they know the answers. Um, 
it's very rare unless someone's been doing it a very long time it's very rare that someone will say just tell me the answer and i'll do it um and even if they do say that to me i don't tend to give them an answer unless they kind of get to the point where they're like i've tried everything i've done this i've done this and then i might start but normally people know and they've got brilliant ideas and i've learned far more from other people by doing that than actually going at them at the beginning and saying you should do this you should do this you should do this yeah 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 you're you're a nudger <laughs> um, I'm, i could tell some stories about nudging people I've done that's, a, that's another podcast for another. We're gonna have to put an explicit on this now, aren't we? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> kind of beyond. Sometimes I think there's a line, isn't there, beyond nudging, where it, it becomes a bit like, pushing. There is, um, Jay. It comes a little bit. It goes um, nudging, pushing, punching. I think is that the thing. <laughs> no, I was going to say like, um, where, who's it you saw the other day? Um, Darren Brown. Darren Brown. It yeah. kind of gets a bit get to this point where you think, oh, maybe I'm being manipulative. Yeah. Magic. Although he can he can manipulate <laughs> me all day long. Well, it sounds like he did. <laughs> um, so you're you're speaking at the conference at the Connecting Community Conference, which is on the sixteenth of October. Um, countdown. Countdown. Hopefully, everyone's got their tickets. If you haven't got your tickets, why get off this podcast right now and go and purchase? Um, but <laughs> um, you're going to be uh, talking as part of the taking care of series and you're going to be talking about how you can protect and maintain the environment as part of your lifestyle with your dogs and business practices it's quite a lot it's quite a lot there to talk about have you, have you written it are you ready to go are you nervous what yeah um i i haven't written it yet no. but i've i do have a history of writing presentations whilst on the train to an event um, <laughs> he's winging it he's winging it ladies um, and gentlemen but i'm saying i mean i normally i'm absolutely fine i've done some pretty big talks over the years but um there's nothing worse than doing it in front of people you care about and with you guys and that there i'm going to be massively no i feel you there it's, it's always the it's, worst there's it? something about that that mm. you kind of you know i've done you know talks at the excel in london and stuff with massive crowds but like this is enough to tip me over the edge <laughs> i know so, exactly um, what you mean i think oh. it's you know and I, I We're, think, we'd be your biggest cheerleaders jay yes. yeah and I, so i you know it'd be fun it'd be good fun and um i'm quite looking forward to it and i think you know as long as people go away with uh the feeling that they can they can they can do this and they can make change happen and and maybe a few little tips about where to get support and things like that um mm. i'll be happy brilliant Brilliant. So question that we've asked everyone and one that you're definitely expecting is uh, walkout music. So you're, you're backstage, you're waiting. Someone's come and got you and gone, Mr. Light, you have 20 seconds. Uh, what music starts to play as you uh, run through the crowd? I've, 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 there's a very long list. You've got a list. Six, a very long list. Um, I mean, the obvious one is is the Captain Planet theme tune. The cat, yeah, that's the one I thought was you were going to pick. Yeah, <laughs> but Brilliant. you know, yep. I th- I mean, you know, a few years ago it would have been Earth Song, but okay, yeah, it was appropriate. Although I know that one, but I don't know the other one. So can you hum the the, the planet one? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll play it too young. Later on. You're yeah, too young. That's a problem. <laughs> I think. Well, or maybe you should listen to the other podcasts, Corinne. Yeah, oh. yeah, she's given away she doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah, yeah she has. There's yeah. a real omission. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to the conference. It's going to be amazing. Um, we've got so much stuff for people to take away um, from it. And it's going to be a wonderful uh, time for people to get together, to connect. Um, anyone's invited. Um, not just pack members, everyone, anyone who's a dog enthusiast, works in the industry in any way, shape or form. Um, and of course, our members as well are invited along. Um, so we're really, really hoping to see you there. So thanks very much, Jay. Silent Jay, not so thanks, silent Jay. Jay anymore. You might have to drop the... Uh, drop oh, but that's the problem. Once you let me off, I <laughs> don't shut up. <laughs> Nat, Nat's going to put you in the cupboard under the stairs now. Are we yeah. going to have to nudge you off stage, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> we should get a giant nudge finger, shouldn't we? <laughs> nudge people off. Awesome. Okay, well, let's do our fake bye. Um, and um, hopefully everyone has enjoyed that. Um, and we'll see you all soon. Oh, bye-bye. Bye. bye. Hey. So there we go then. Um, I hope that you guys really enjoyed that. I hope that you got something from it, um, something that you can take away. Um, I think they're, they're three topics, aren't they? Taking care of business, taking care of yourself, taking care of the planet. These are three topics that are are really, really close to our hearts um, as people working uh, with dogs, around dogs, canine professionals, um, and things that are really, really important and often a part of the puzzle that's quite often um missed out so i really really hope you enjoyed that um as ever um do drop us a review on whatever platform that you're listening to us on hopefully we will see you at the conference which is on sunday the 16th of october 2022 not long now if you haven't got your ticket why ever not um and we will see you for our next episode oh bye bye Atoms collide, our cells divide, just like they've always done. A spark of life, we multiply this ride, has just begun. Stretches back through all time. Time guided by a primal desire to simply survive. Survive, you can't keep it down. Our genes compete the 
It grows. 